Welcome to the Hope Community Podcast. We're so glad you're hanging out with us today. Friends and family. Here we are. Here we are. Getting spooky. <laughs> like our little Dollar Tree background. <laughs> Thought it was festive. <laughs> it's <was> very festive. <laughs> uh, sorry, I am getting ready to share this to all the places that we need to share it. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead and be awkward with us and you can share now if you would like to. Yes. Going to be talking about um, the eyes of the blind this week, and I don't remember what the other chapter is called. It is called entering the yes, entering the stone. We're almost done. We're almost yeah, we are. We're moving along. Yeah. Two chapters. And I think the last two weeks. yeah, and I think the last week they're the last one we're doing three chapters. Yeah. So. That's going to be a long one. We're going to need lots of coffee for that one. <laughs> lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. We have to settle for Coke Zero tonight. We didn't brew any coffee tonight. Uh-oh. because you were watching TV. I know. The kids were away, so we actually could watch something. <laughs> other than Blippi. Yeah, other than Blippi. And, and Magnet uh, World. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you want to get into this? Yeah, you go wanna, for it. Want to rock it? Yeah. Um... So, uh, I love that this chapter starts out with um, one of my uh, favorite. favorite poets and uh, really writers, nonfiction writers. Well, he's written fiction too, so he's he's Here it's fiction. Yeah, it's who Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry and uh, from Kentucky, not too far away from here, uh, but has some really awesome stuff. But it starts uh, with a Wendell Berry quote: it "says To know the dark, go dark." Go without sight and find that dark too. Uh, find that dark too blooms and sings. And I wrote off to the side that the night, the dark, blooms and sings too. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. Rock and roll. Right. <laughs> Let's go. This is right. gonna be, we, I know we both highlighted a lot of things. So, so yeah. Let's get this rolling. Make sure to say hello when you pop on. Yes. That way we can see... And say hi. Um, well, let's dig in. So, you know, she starts things off talking about how um, the times that we go through darkness are actually very personal. She talks about the more people that she talked to about their experiences being in the dark, uh, that it wasn't just a season, but it was actually something that was very deep and very personal. Mm -hmm. And as they, they dug deeper, they found that they're actually learning things, uh, uh, growing and seeing new things, not only in themselves, but in places around them. Right. And that um, uh, she goes in and she's going to tell a story about how if you really want to know about darkness, we should learn from someone who's actually blind. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of tells the story of, you know, she talks about Helen Keller for a while and then she... And random fact about Lynn's. When I was younger, I was obsessed with Helen Keller. Oh, that's right. You were. You've told me that before. I, like, just that entire story of how she learned and everything, it was completely fascinating to me as a young kid. Yeah. Um, 
But she kind of talks about how it, it you kind of get this perceived idea. And the reason why we get this perceived idea is because people teach it this way so much. But often in scripture, when it talks about blindness, uh, what, what happens is, is when we teach on that, sometimes we tend to focus on the fact that that could be spiritual failure. And she brings up Jeremiah. Uh, she brings up uh, when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he says that they're blind guides. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> He, he, in, in the description, he's sharing that, uh, in these metaphors, she's sharing in these metaphors that it's really that people have relied so much on sight, only one sense that that's the reason why they can't see. Mm -hmm. So the blindness isn't so much the darkness, but it's relying on one thing over and over again to get somewhere and that proving that, uh, you can't just run off of one. Right. Um, and so uh, it talks about how so many times we get so distracted by the visual things mm -hmm. that we miss out on the little things. We actually right. miss out on the intimacy of moments. Yes, because she says vision requires very little intimacy. Right. Because it's just there. Like, you don't have to look any farther. You don't have to learn how to hone anything else to zero in on something. It's just there. Right. And... Uh, and, and then even getting into the fact that we get to a point where sight and sound take over and mm -hmm. actually make us callous mm -hmm. uh, to what we can actually see and what we can actually hear. Right. So, um, I, you know, she, I think this is where she gets into the whole thing about the, um, uh, the different types of restaurants that have started around the world where yeah, basically cool. basically people sit in the dark and eat because it takes away sight and so now you're relying on touch and taste mm -hmm. and the one she points out is a um was inspired by the restaurant owner was inspired by a blind swiss pastor named jerg steelman jerg i don't know it has the i don't know um but anyway he would blindfold dinner guests that came to his house um, he said they paid more attention to the food that way, and they also listened to each other better. And a thought that I had is, um, like, our church has not gone back to, to like, in meeting right. in person. Right. And it struck me, and I thought, is this why Internet Church is working so well? Because we can't see each other all the time. Right. So we have to learn other ways to communicate and to be involved in each other's lives. Right, and to connect. Yeah. It, we're actually... It, it becomes, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, and I completely lost it. Uh, it's in the culture. It's in the culture. <laughs> um, no, the, it actually, it, you have to make an effort. effort. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's easy when you know you're going to meet every week, mm -hmm. but then, but now when it's, it's, uh, you know, now you're going to have to communicate in another way. It's, it's going to have to get personal. Yep. You're going to have to break out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the story of, of when the, they go in and sit down at the, at the table and it's completely dark and the server is like telling them, okay, at 12 o'clock is the salmon, at 1 o'clock is this. I thought that was interesting. Like, Yeah. You know. What's up, Wiley Willis? What's up? We see you, brother. But the total dropping of the uh, forks all the time. <laughs> and basically, like, you give up on your forks and you're just eating with your hands. Yep. Um, yeah. 
it's the whole the whole understanding that we rely so much on our our sight and even even our, our hearing when it comes to how we react and how we act in life that when things actually get dark that mm-hmm. all our other senses are dull right and that's why it's so hard to navigate through these times right that's why so we feel hard. so lost yeah because we've ignored everything else around us because we cannot see and then she gets into that a little bit farther in i wrote a lot of notes about that um about how you can't ignore other you know well we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> Um, so then we get into like, apparently there's this, um, exhibit that started in, what was it? The, is it the 1980s? Mm -hmm. It's called Dialogue in the Dark. And basically you could go to this exhibit and you could see what it's like to actually be blind in a city. And so everyone, basically you go, you have to turn in everything, like anything that could cause light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you uh, uh, basically get a cane and you're going to go in and you're going to be led by a, a, a legit real blind person. And they're going to basically talk you through how they walk through a city. And she goes into this whole thing to where basically um, you quit relying on yourself and you quit basically quit taking yourself so seriously because you're going to bump into other people you're going to walk into other people she talks about how she basically almost face planted into the back of a guy's <laughs> a big huge tall six foot man yeah uh and you know and in that moment she had no idea what color the man was that didn't know you know what he looked like but you know from her other senses she could tell that, that this was a dude and you know the experience of that like uh, when you know when you're in moments of the of wilderness and darkness mm-hmm. that you're going to have you everything's not going to look clear and plain you're going to have to rely on some other things to get through it right Whew. that was a lot yeah <laughs> and it's funny the way she um she does things like she's telling all these stories and at first cuz i like to just get down to it Right. And I was like, okay, where, where, where are we going to go with this? But then all of a sudden she hits you with something in the middle of it. So you have to be paying attention. Like you can't right. be distracted. Um, and I just thought it was weird. Like she talks about right after that whole experience. Um, she said, as often as I'd heard the biblical story about one stray sheep in the wilderness, I'd always assumed the sheep was to blame for wandering away from the flock in search of better clover. She said, but I had not moved. My shepherd, which was their guide, had told me to walk toward her voice, but fear had prevented me. That's good. Yeah, I thought that was good because, you know, it was always presented to me that it was the lost sheep. Right. It was, they were bad. Right. The black sheep. The black sheep. When really in the, in the moment, it's um, the fear in the moment. Yeah. Um. And I think it's also interesting that the shepherd is constantly calling. Um, and, and that's what the guide in the story was doing, right. was telling them where to go. And and knowing that out of love, he's not going to, like, you know, we know the rest of the story. When the 99's lost, or the one's lost, right. he goes back after it. So this whole thought process that this lost sheep, you know, we, we tend to paint it as the black sheep. And mm-hmm. it did something bad when really it was fear, trauma. Um, 
anxiety, stress. Well, you could go through all kinds of different things that would end. Yeah, well, there's the number there's fight, right. flight, and freeze. Right. And so that's what happens. Sometimes we get so frozen with fear and anxiety that we can't move. And if the group moves, you can't, you, like, you just can't. Right. And that's, I don't know. No, I don't really think anybody talks about that. Out of step. Yeah, that's good. And so, you know, the, the picture of the shepherd coming back and finding the lost sheep and bringing it to the 99. And the shepherd not being mad. Not being upset or mad or angry <laughs> like, how or did we get like that. The, how did that ever start that God and or Jesus was mad at us for anything? You know, like for, for freezing, for being afraid, for right. being... That is like the worst thing to right. think. Like Jesus is going to be mad at me because I didn't react exactly like everybody else. Exactly. Right. Like this situation happened to me and I've basically been traumatized and I can't move forward. So God must be mad at me. Right. No. Right. And that's the beauty. And the thing that, because our daughter Audrey has, um, in the last two or three weeks, she's picked up, you know, she has a kid's storybook Bible, but now, she, now she came in, you know, we're on our bookshelf and she, she's like, I want to read from a Bible Bible. So I gave her a new living translation and she's, she's been reading it. And so I've been trying to share with her and, and talk to her about, you know, how in the, you know, and how in some ways in the Old Testament, the perception of the father is only what people could come, you know, they could only come up with. But then Jesus shows up mm -hmm. and tells us who the father is right. out of his actions, out of his teachings. And he even says, I don't do anything. That I haven't seen my father do. I don't say anything right. other than what I hear my father say. And then what did Jesus teach and share constantly? It was agape. Right. It was love. It was I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It was constantly. So he clears up the picture that we painted horribly of the father. But the problem is, is we tend to con continue in this misconception idea of who the father is mm -hmm. without looking to Jesus who shows us the correct picture. Right. And so, uh, you know, when we... When we look at this and we see that the shepherd's not mad and angry, he's actually madly in love with his sheep and walking with them, even in those moments. Um, sorry, there's just so much. <laughs> trying to figure out how to segue. Um, <laughs> but I love, I, I love, she brings up um, a, a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, it says, look down, O Lord, from your heavenly throne and illuminate this night with your celestial brightness mm -hmm. that by night as by day, your people will glorify your holy name. But it, just this picture that there's never a moment where there's not light, even in even darkness, there's light. Mm -hmm. And if you study science enough, you will know that there's that light is everywhere. As a matter of fact, part of your DNA the makeup of it is light. The makeup that, that is in everything in this room. If I turn out all the lights, guess what? There's still light because that the, the light is part of the genetic code that is in everything that's around us. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't get away from it. You can't um, miss it. Look, we highlighted. We same. did the same thing. Show everybody. Show everybody. <laughs> We're fans. Mine's pink. Mine's green. Because <laughs> we got this huge light right here. Um... I'm not temporarily blinded. Sorry. Blinded by the light. <laughs> but she goes on to say that this prayer recognizes a kind of light that tr transcends both wave and particle. 
it can illuminate the night without turning on the lights, becoming apparent to those who have learned to rely on senses other than sight to show them what is real. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote off to the side that darkness helps us use our other senses and actually dazzles the darkness. (laughs) A little razzle-dazzle. A little (laughs) razzle-dazzle, but actually brings light to the darkness, that that there's actually light in the darkness and... Well, I, this is where I got the dazzle. She oh. says that she even talks about on Mount Sinai, Moses saw in the darkness, and that was where the glory of God came wrapped in dazzling darkness. Um, two guys that I'm not going to try to pronounce uh, said that it's the unapproachable light in which God dwells. That there's this light that emanates from Father that... Even though it seems like everything is dark, mm-hmm. that light is still there. Um, she talks about um, a French resistance fighter who was blind. He wrote a book called And There Was Light. Mm-hmm. And I love this because he goes through this whole description of when he would talk to his friends and family about what it was like to be blind. They asked him and said they said would say things like, "Well, you can't see light," and he would describe things that would that definitely gave off light, and he could describe it and and say, "Yeah, there's light emanating from this." And what he talked about was is that he uh, felt how it would move, how it would spread. He could tell that there was light moving, mm-hmm. and then he goes on to talk about how. Uh, he could, uh, he said, I felt it gushing forth every moment and brimming over. I felt how it wanted to spread out over the world. I only had to receive it. It was an un- it was unavoidably there. It was all there. And I found it again in its movements, its shades, that it that is its colors, which I have loved so passionately for weeks. Um, I love this part. Yeah, this was something entirely new, you understand. All the more so since it contradicted everything that those who have eyes believe. The source of light is not in the outer world. We believe that it is on, that it is only because of a, of a common delusion. The light dwells where life also dwells within, within ourselves. Day. Boom. So good. Light dwells where there is life, and that life is where inside ourselves. It's in us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's 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 not a coinky dink that <laughs> Jesus says what. <laughs> That we are to be the light of the world. That mm-hmm. light emanates from us, out of us, because of who is in us. So, uh, you know, he's here's this blind guy telling people, like, listen, I know you think you can see light, but really, you are light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he, you know, he was saying that light had nothing to do with what he could see with his eyes. But he, he learned to attend so carefully to the world around him that he could confound his friends by describing the things he couldn't see. He could tell trees apart from the sounds of their shadows. He could tell how tall and how wide a wall was by the pressure it exerted. I mean, this is insane. He was figuring these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, another part that the, what's this, the Parisian guys, his last name was Lucerian? Lucerian, yes. I'm going to assume that's how it's said. Anyway, yes. um, he wrote that sight naturally prefers outer appearance. It attends to the surface of things, which makes it an essentially superficial sense. We let our eyes skim over trees, furniture, traffic, faces, too often mistaking sight for perception, which is easy to do, when our eyes work so well to help us orient ourselves in space. Yeah. 
and it just hit me um, that only looking at the surface of things leads to toxic positivity. Yep. Like that we talked about a couple weeks before, well, actually all throughout the book, like things just mirror to that. And that if you don't learn how to turn off your sight, you'll never have the capability to hone in your other senses, to right. check in with other parts of your, your body, your right. soul, your spirit. And, you know, what a lot of people, a lot of us have learned is that only focusing on the light leaves you completely like annihilated when anything hard comes right because you don't know how to handle it right. and you know it can leave well just just focus on you know the light and you can't do that you can't do that and survive right you have we have to learn how to be comfortable or at least how to sit with being uncomfortable right so i thought that was good and then the next sentence she says is speed is another problem and that um, made me think about the whole grief timeline. Right. Like if someone doesn't heal on your timeline and you just can't deal with their mess or that you, sh if you're grieving over something that you should like, well, I should be over this by now. No, <laughs> no. it's going to, it takes as long as it takes. Right. Like it just, there's no timeline for stuff like that. I, uh, you know, I like, um, they go on to say how quickly our eyes tend to glide over things and we miss out on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It talks about how, you know, um, if you rub your hand across a homemade table, you could feel, you know, a dip where the sander hit a little bit more than other places. Right, yeah, and you know, <laughs> and it, you know, I just did some repair stuff on our van, and then I did the best that I could do. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a body man on a car, uh, but I, I bondoed a few places, and I was trying to work on some stuff. And guess what? Uh, <laughs> you could rub your hand across it and totally feel the dips and the mm -hmm. difference. If you look at it in some areas, you can say, well, that, you know, I don't even see that. But you run your hand across it, you can totally you can feel, feel it. it. Um, and so that's the difference of are we actually paying attention? Are we actually seeing, you know, beyond just sight, but are we seeing? Mm -hmm. And she brings up later on. Uh, she says, every yeah, major spiritual tradition in the world has something significant to say about the importance of paying attention. Mm -hmm. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus said. Consider the lilies of the field. If you do not have time to pay attention to the ordinary table, how will you ever find time to pay attention to the spirit? Mm -hmm. And I was instantly reminded of Luke seven forty four when Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house and um, basically they have a meal and then uh, this lady comes in and basically washes Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee and some of the disciples wig. They're like, if he knew who this was, what's he doing? He can't be a prophet. And then Jesus basically starts sharing parables. He says, listen, um, and he tells about the, the servants and they had great debt and one had one a greater debt than the other. The master forgives them both. And then Jesus looks at the Pharisee and says, who do you think loved the master the more? And he said, well, I guess the one who forgive, who was forgiven most. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says something. He says, um, he says, you are right. And then he looks at the woman and he says to Simon, the Pharisee, he says, do you see this woman? And if you just glance over that, you're not going to catch what he's doing in this moment. He says, are you actually looking intently at this moment? And seeing what's being taught here. Mm -hmm. Because if you just glance, you're going to see a prostitute. 
If you just glance, you're going to see a woman who everyone else is saying, why in the world is Jesus, the promised Messiah, being touched by this person? But you're, not, you're missing out on the fact of the grace and the forgiveness and the love that is happening in this moment. So do you see? And so, uh, you know, when I read that, I was like, man, that's, it's like a slap in the face at how many times in certain scenarios and certain situations that we just look at something and we take it for granted or we just glance over it mm -hmm. and we don't really look and see. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine what would happen if in every scenario and every situation that we come into contact with our neighbors and our friends in any circumstance, in any situation and go beyond just a quick glance? Mm -hmm. That guy's crazy. That guy's running his mouth. Uh, that person's angry. That person's this or that. Um, I don't want to be near them. I don't want to be close to them because of what's going on. But do we really see what's happening? Mm -hmm. Do we really see what's going on? Is it beyond that they're just angry, but did something happen that day in their life? Mm -hmm. And I think as as uh, I think being in tune with the Spirit, we should be able to tell in those moments mm -hmm. that there's something could possibly be going on mm -hmm. right now. Um, in January 1944, the Nazis captured that writer, Lucerian. And he says the most valuable thing he learned was that no one could turn out the light inside him without his consent. Even when he lost track of it for a while, he knew where he could find it again. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So good. And I, I, the next, I love the next part. He said, or she says, if we could learn to be attentive every moment of our lives, uh, we would discover the world anew. Basically, mm -hmm. if we could learn to live in each moment, mm -hmm. which I know is hard, but if we could do that, if we could learn that. Man, can you imagine what could happen? Um, maybe the last thing we could hit in this chapter, uh, she says, there's a light that shines in the darkness, which is only visible in the darkness. Mm -hmm. My favorite part is the end. She says, it seems equally possible that the grace I need will come to me in the dark, where I too may learn to see the celestial brightness that has nothing to do with sight. That's good. Because, you know, grace is not only there when you're happy and right. feeling jazzy. Exactly. The grace I need will meet me in the dark. Right. Now, if that's not, like, that's hope right there. Yes. About to leave a hanky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get into the next chapter, which is... Entering the stone. Super inter interesting because she, she talks about actually going to a cave... And none other than... God bless you guys that are still on <laughs> We only got through the first chapter. Uh, but uh, she actually goes to a cave in West Virginia. Yep, which was crazy. Which was crazy because we live in West Virginia. Um, but, you know, she's going. She's she's talking about doing a study on darkness. And a friend of hers offers uh, for her to come out. And uh, they're going to go to... Uh, they're going to go visit a cave mm -hmm. in West Virginia. Um they actually send her a book that she needs to read before they go to kind of show her the experience because they're going to go beyond what they call show caves. And I don't know if you ever, like, ever went into a cave before and you got a tour guide and there's railings and there's lights everywhere and, and all that. And Those I, are the kind I like. <laughs> right. Um, but the, he's actually going to take her uh, basically to... <laughs> Wiley, does she find the mothman? <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> um... But basically takes her off course to parts of the trail that that you know that normally you're not allowed to go on. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, 
they talk about, she talks about how there's a couple pat in this book that she's reading that there's something called the squeeze, mm -hmm. where you got to crawl on your belly to get through certain sections of the cave uh, <laughs> that you should, that, you know, and if, if you don't watch yourself, you could get your buttons caught on the rocks. If you don't have the right equipment, you can cut your knees, you can cut your elbows, yeah. all kinds of different things. But at the same time, and she talks about how in every major religion that there is moments where people go into caves, mm -hmm. stay in caves for a while to hear, and then come out of caves. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's in those moments that we learn to watch our thoughts. And she talks about how she coached people, um, you know, going through trauma and stress and, and, and how, to meditate. how to meditate. And basically to pay attention to the thoughts that give rise to certain emotions mm -hmm. that tend to wreck us, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Not that emotions are bad. No. We never want to say that. But to pay attention to the thoughts and the things that come about that stirs up those dark emotions that right. can cause some some wreckage. So she's so she's comparing the two, like going through a cave to and and having to take special attention to things to mm -hmm. looking at uh you know, thoughts and emotions. And so, mm -hmm. so basically she gets to West Virginia and they're going to go in what's called organ cave. All right. And, uh, let me just backtrack just a tab okay. to where you were talking about like All meditation. Right. She also says, do not judge yourself. Don't forget to breathe. And that reminds me of, you know, I used to do yoga and that's what, you know, our, our instructor would do. Um, but it also went back to like what we've been talking about since we started doing, the dwelling is when you're on the bus, right. like get off the subway and just observe. Right. And that's what that whole thing is teaching is how to, you know, pay attention to what's on you, what's happening in your body. Not judging yourself for having a bad day or anything like that. You just observe, hop on the bus. Right. Right. Um, so I don't have anything on these pages. What you got on this one? No. I'm going to go over here. All right. Yeah, there's... Some stuff that was just kind of <laughs> like for me. So basically they get to this cave who it's called in some instances a friendly cave, but they're going to go off the, the, the path, so to speak. And what I, what's interesting to me about her going to this cave and I don't know if Lindsay ever knew this, but here we go. And, and cause I told her about this the other day, but when I was a teenager, either a freshman or sophomore, uh, I was in, are you ready for this? <laughs> Boy Scouts. And you were a tenderfoot. Uh, but we actually did all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> I admit it, you were. At one point, I, I made it to first class. Thank you very much. But we, we did some crazy things. We hiked on the Appalachian Trail like, like 40 or 50 miles in two different sessions. Um, but we also went to these caves in Kentucky and we did kind of what, uh, this, the author did. Like we went on the got off the the friendly cave part and actually had to do some crazy insane things like to where they were basically when I got when we got to the first day they actually measured all the scouts and to see if we could squeeze through well yeah what would what be would a you duck do? under <laughs> like what if you were like the third person in the line of like I don't know 10 or 12 and you could not fit through that thing listen like I'll, everybody would have to back out listen, that would suck I just want to say that uh I got stuck a couple times 
I did. It was it was tough, and we went there. And the first cave was Are not you still traumatized a little bit. Um, but the first cave that we did, like it was a lot of duck unders and a lot of squeezing through, and um, I got stuck a couple times. So did a couple other people, and you know, you all you got is a light on your head. So it, it was insane. But there was a moment. Uh, well, I'll wait till we get to where she talks about it, but um, but. Uh, I can go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. No, but we'll forget. She talks a little bit about how there's this there's this place when you're going in a cave that you get to the point to where it's like it's not so much the point of no return, but there's a point where you can turn back and see the light mm-hmm. or you go the other way and that you know that there's darkness ahead because your headlamp only goes so many feet. Mm-hmm. And you can't see past it. Right. And so they call that the twilight zone. And it's in that twilight zone that it's the place of exchange, which I thought was so good. It's this place where uh, I love it. We can we can put things out there and walk it out and move forward, or uh, we can stay in that spot mm-hmm. in between, which a lot of people like to do, and just have their stuff and kind of look both ways. Like I could go forward, I know it's dark, uh, or I could go back here. Where I've been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Or I can just, you know... So, talking about that that twilight zone place where you can either back out, go further, or just sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's in that twilight zone, in that place of exchange, that you know that you're also going to lose something. Mm-hmm. And it's that point that you make the decision, and at least how I feel, is you make that decision what you're going to lose. And that's a good place to lose some of the baggage. Right. And talking about that, a couple pages, I'm on 123, what I'm going to talk about. Um, um, I know there's, a, like, we have and a lot of people we know are doing some deconstruction. Right. And this next part she talks about um, in the cave, which this, like, really just mirrored that mm-hmm. deconstruction wilderness time. Um this, the way she describes this cave, it just really spoke to me about that. She said, I don't know what I'm doing. There's no way to tell time, which means there's no rush. There's no light, which means I do not have to worry about how I look. There's no one beside me, which means I do not have to come up with something to say. Above all, there is no threat. I haven't been in the cave long enough. I think I will give up making choices for a while and let asking questions take its place. Does having a light make a real difference or is it a security blanket? Hmm. And I love that because, you know, when you're deconstructing or you're looking at your beliefs and things that you've, you know, been taught, but you're like, you know, do I really, do I really believe that? And you start searching. Um, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Like you, how do you even start doing that? You, there's no timeline. There's no rush. There's no light, like you can, it can feel pretty dark. Um, but that, you know, it means that you don't have to come up with something to say, something to say, because there's nobody there. Like right. you're by yourself. You can start to figure things out and process. Cause I love it's, that. It's in this, well, she's writing in the moment where they actually get in this room and they turn off all the lights mm-hmm. and there's nothing. It's just dark. And I know what that's like, because I have been in a cave before where we turned out the lights and we separated pretty good turned off our lights and we sat there and it was for 10 minutes. And I, re- I remembered, you know, like, what am I doing here? What is happening? And you have all those thoughts. And a lot of times we do that at night when we go to bed. 
because we have all those thoughts and all that anxiety and all that stuff is coming up. And, you know, what better way, you know, I love how she says it, quit trying to figure it out, Mm -hmm. quit trying to think that you got it and just ask the, ask the questions. Right. Don't be afraid of the questions. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be fearful of them. And, you know, I know a lot of you were taught like me growing up that you don't ask questions. And I was told a lot that you don't, you don't argue with God. You don't uh, disagree with them. You don't fight with them. You're not allowed to ask questions. And you know what? The first time, especially the first, first time, you know, with, in when we were, when we were young and married and uh, we had, we've talked about this before. We had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I learned real quick, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to fight. It's okay to even point fingers mm-hmm. at God. Um, and, and my, uh, my, my, you know, memory went back to just the times that David did the same thing. When you read Psalms, you see that over and over again, this constant questioning and strife and struggle that David would have in moments with God. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you at? What's happening? What's going on? And, you know, we tend to read those passages, you know, could be 60 to 100 verses long and we think that that happened like that mm-hmm. but no those were those happened over seasons in david's life and so he's writing from that perspective so that those could be years of questions and thoughts like where are you at what's happening mm-hmm. um and then always the answer to that was th- things like you make a table in the presence of my enemies mm-hmm. that you're here you've always been here and so if you don't ask those questions you don't walk out those questions. You don't take time to do that. You're never going to have the experience in the darkness where she's talked about that there's a light in the darkness that you can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Um, 128 is where you, the cave topic you wanted to talk about starts. Oh, yeah. I'll make um, sure we get there. So, you know, she talks about, you know, we talked a little bit earlier where she said that you know every major religion has a moment where some figure in that religion goes into a cave um but we kind of you know we forget that jesus was born in a cave what you know I mean, it wasn't a barn <laughs> there was no barn so it was safer <laughs> to be in a cave and that's where you know that's where the stable was it was a cave and so he was born in a cave he rose from the dead in a cave mm-hmm. right um which is super interesting if you think about it. Uh, resurrection happens in a cave. Jesus was buried in a cave. He was buried in a tomb. And he was resurrected in the dark. There was no one around when he came to life. Nope. Nothing. In complete silence, absolute darkness. With the smell of damp stone and dug earth in the air. Yeah. New life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Resurrection happens in the dark. It happens in the cave. Because whatever happened in the cave, it happened in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I immediately go back to Elisha or Elijah. I can't. I get. The, I think it's Elisha. Elisha. I can't remember. Just put both of them together. It's both. <laughs> but his experience in the cave, mm-hmm. um, you know. This experience here, Jesus rising from the dead in a cave in the darkness. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when, and the thing with going in a cave 
is the way out. Is the way. Is the way in. Yeah. So. And that's yeah, and that's I like uh, because that's also in the Mary Magdalene reveal book. Mm -hmm. Like she talks about that. Right. So the only way out of our darkness is going in. Right. The only way through a hard time is to look inside. Oh, that's good. Right. And just so, and just in case some of you, because I know what could be going through your head, some of you are going to be thinking, well, um, being led to a cave, so to speak, uh, is sounds wild and crazy. Why would why would anybody want to get stuck in darkness? Why would anybody want to go towards the darkness? Why would anybody do that? But you know what? And I was reading this book. I have been for a while. The solace of of the fierce landscape. My buddy Adam Baker told me to get this book. Adam. Um, but he's talking about Jesus, and he says that Jesus frequently presses people closest to him into places that they find threatening. Jesus is always redefining the nature of center or the nature of where the light is. He moves regularly beyond the safety and the exclusiveness of, of the disciples' homeland in Galilee to include the <laughs> Gentiles and the outlying regions where his disciples we're too scared to go. Mm-hmm. He functions repeatedly as a boundary crosser, pushing his disciples to edges that they find exceedingly uncomfortable. See, Jesus takes us into the darkness, into those uncomfortable places to reveal things in us. Sometimes it's to reveal the trauma and the hurt and to help us find healing and to talk about it. Other times it's to find the real us, mm-hmm. to be the real us, to be the you know, the person we were intended to be to step up. You'll never know that if you don't come up against some dark times, some darkness, some moments where you don't know what's up from what's down. Right. Um, and toward the end of the chapter, um, she, you know, finishes out her cave journey and she talks about how she um, had grabbed this really tiny stone and when she was in the cave, it was like super glittery and then when she got out and she like got light on it it was just dull looked like gravel right like regular road gravel but she said the stone is not the problem the light is the problem because if you know you only focus on the light or the superficial right you miss every you miss a lot of things um she says but here it is not much bigger than a mustard seed everything i need to remember how much my set ideas get in my way. When I'm looking for something large, bright, and unmistakably holy, God slips something small, dark, and apparently negligible in my pocket. How many other treasures have I walked right by because they did not meet my standards? At least one of the day's lessons is about learning to let go of my bright ideas about God so that my eyes are open to the God who is. Wild or not, God is a cave I do not want to miss. And then she don't, she's holding this little tiny stone and she says, it is all I have left of the cave and it is enough. And I love that because it's, it's true. We carry things out of those times and we learn from those things. And when, you know, we come through another trying situation where we have that little stone to hold on to like that, I don't want to say lesson because we don't go through things to learn, you know, we're not being punished. Right. God doesn't put you through bad things. No. Like he doesn't make you make that happen. That's a no. that's something for another time. But anyway, um No, we go he, he goes with us through them. Right. 
So, but those, you know, little nuggets right. that we come out of, out of those caves with, they're worth something. Yeah. And that is the end of the chapter. Right. Oh, the next one is the Dark Night of the Soul. I'm actually a little nervous about I'm this. I'm a little nervous about reading that too. Is this is this it? This is the last. Yeah, that's one, two, three. We, uh, yep. So this is the this uh, in two weeks will be the last one, um, and we'll do three the last three chapters, and that'll be the. 10th November, November 10th, 10th. so that'll be, be it in this book um, in this book and I think we talked about not we're not going to do another um, book study and we may or may not do one more live before the end of the year I think if we do a book study it needs to be like in a group right like and make and then that way everybody can just um, chat together and all that um, but like we're definitely gonna have to leave this up <laughs> when we talk about the dark night of the soul, like, I don't know, just giving me some good vibes here. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you everybody for watching yeah. and spending some time with us. You are loved yes. so much. Yeah. And if you don't have anywhere to hang out on Sunday mornings, you can hang out on the Hope Community Facebook page. We meet at 1030 in the morning, or you can watch it anytime you anytime want. You want. <laughs> That's when it's live. So 1030 on Sundays. Hope community page. Thank you guys for hanging out. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com. Peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to. Um, you can check out some other services that we have got. Um, but more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, you can connect to us, connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure.